Have you ever known someone who did something and, well, the reason they did it was they said, well, God told them to do it. And how do they know it was God speaking to them? I mean, how can we know when it's God speaking to us? Well, welcome to Bible Studies for Life, the adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And over the next few weeks, we want to consider this question, how do we discern the voice of God? So let's begin here and let's hear from the voice of Chris Johnson. Chris, how you doing? Lynn, I am great. Great to be with you. Uh, excited about this study and excited to have the chance uh, to, to talk with the author of this study. Yes, Richard Blackaby is joining us for this podcast. Richard, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to uh, podcast with us. Oh, it's great to be with both of you. Uh, Richard is the recent co-author of Experiencing God. And Experiencing God has been out about, what, 30 years now. Am I correct? 32. Yeah, 32 years. And uh, we have just recently, this past year, have, uh, correct me, I'm going to say that we kind of revamped it, kind of updated a little bit. Uh, Richard, and you were part of that. Yeah, I worked over the whole workbook again. It's about the second major kind of overhaul and made new videos for it. Uh, the, the original videos had my dad, and the second round of videos had me and my dad, and this time it's me and my oldest son. So my father's oldest son and oldest grandson are the ones teaching it this next round. And really been excited so far about the response from people as they've been going through the updated material. It certainly is good material. With this new edition that's come out, it's already uh, backordered. I mean, there, we uh, the demand been has been greater than we even anticipated. Uh, that's a good thing. People are really eager to know about how they can discern and discover the will of God. Well, you know, and then that says something. If a study's been out 32 years and people still can't get enough of it, uh, 32 years later, it's very unusual. I know you, you uh, men work with a, a publisher, but very unusual for something to be selling out selling faster than you can print it uh, 32 years later and that that testifies not not so much to the authors but to the the question it answers which is how can i experience god it, it's a it's a question that people still are desperate to know richard the, the reason we wanted you to write this study because of well your legacy with your father with henry and and then for yourself this passion about how we can all know the will of god we thought it was a very appropriate as we think about well how do we discern the voice of god because of your passion in this area for you to be the author of this study. So, uh, again, I thank you for the taking the time to write this, uh, the material that we're reading uh, for the next uh, several weeks together. This first session is called, Does It Agree with the Bible? Now, what we're going to do with this study as we consider uh, how, how do we discern the voice of God, we're going to raise a question each week uh, just to kind of, okay, if you're trying to discern if it's God's voice or something else, these are the questions we're going to consider. And this first one is this one, does it agree with the Bible, what we're hearing? Of course, our point of this study is that the voice of God will never contradict his word and never contradicts the Bible. To do this, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. And gentlemen, let me just read the first verse as we consider this principle of this. Just, we just should not question God's word. This is Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree of the garden? So uh, you mentioned right out of the... Uh gate as you do this study uh you give some explanation to the term cunning that dynamic 
of uh, the serpent's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, the first exposure to uh, evil towards Satan is exposing the fact that he's a liar and that he and his primary his primary weaponry is not a power to strike us with boils and plagues we we always overestimate what satan is capable of doing he's only a a creature like uh, every other angel and heavenly being but but he's a master at lying and that that is his superpower and if you're going to go against someone who is the best there's ever been at lying you better know the truth uh, and what he'll do of course as you as you go through the, the this uh, chapter of course satan starts out by just questioning god's word ultimately he'll just outright refute it he'll just deny it and and uh, and that's typically how he starts is just to put some questions in your mind and course if you're basing your life on a word from god you want to make sure you got it right and and i I do know some very sincere believers that you know questions will come up and they'll think well boy you know i want to i thought that's what god said but i i should i want to make sure what if i got it wrong what if i misunderstood i'd hate to go 10 years down my life and then realize i misunderstood what god wanted me to do and so of course that hits us at a vulnerable point because uh none of us wants to make a mistake with the only life that we'll ever have that's right, and I think that's that what we see Satan doing here in this in this context is he's, in a sense, he's he's putting that doubt in her mind. Says, "Well, did God really say? You know, did you did you, Eve? Did you really get this right? Is that what God said?" And you know, it's interesting in this, of course, this uh, foundational account in chapter three. But you know, th- there's only one rule. I mean, God God kept it really simple, and he's. Certainly was not uh, a legalist. I mean, he, I mean, he was not burying Adam and Eve with a whole bunch of rules to follow. It, it was not hard to remember one rule. And I just find that whenever you're in doubt, there's not that much that God really wants of you. He keeps it pretty simple, pretty basic, like love him with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength. Uh, the world and Satan tries to complicate things. Uh, God keeps it pretty simple. And so Whenever you're in doubt, I would always go back to say, well, what, what, what is it I know God did say? And it's not like I've got to think of, you know, 5,000 things he said. Uh, there's usually a handful of things I know for sure that right now in my life, God is wanting me to do or not do. And he keeps it clear. It's, it's Satan that tries to muddy the waters and make following Jesus a lot more complicated than it's supposed to be. Well said. I, I like how you say it in the uh, in the personal study guide text that as Satan is doing this, he is starting to align, uh, misalign the character of God. Uh, I mean, here's the fact that there's all this entire garden. They have so much freedom there, incredible freedom. But he drew them to focus on that one prohibition. Right. And, you know, that's how and that to, to make. I mean, only Satan, uh, someone who is that uh, skilled at lying, could make a person that put you in a paradise that you didn't deserve. And, and the only thing you can't do, one thing, is eat something that will kill you. I mean, that's that's doesn't sound like a you know a terrible dictator type, oppressive person. But but Satan has a way of spinning things until something as incredible as that could be seen as oppression. I've got to live here in a paradise with one tree out of perhaps hundreds or thousands that I can't eat from. Um, well, what a, how hard God is on me. And you, you, that's what sin does. Of course, sin, sin blinds you to reality. And of course, we see that even today. 
God, God has not added a whole bunch of rules over the years. He's, he's still kept it pretty simple. And yet the world today often tries to make God look like he's out of date and he just doesn't care about us and is so restrictive and oppressive. And Satan's been given the same lies to people for generations. Jesus calls him out, calls him a liar, calls him the father of lies. This is a quote from the, the PSG. People who don't know God's word. Yeah. You know, and I love uh, teaching God's word. I teach an adult Bible study at my church every Sunday that I'm not out of town. If I'm physically at my church, I'm teaching a Bible study every hour before the before the worship service. And uh, and I love doing it. It's uh, it's probably the most enjoyable thing I do in all the ministry I do. But um, but it has taken me back. I, I, I'll have people that have been in church their entire life every Sunday. And yet sometimes I to throw up we'll, we'll look at a passage of scripture and it's amazing how often they don't really know it very well and i'll think now you've been attending church for a long time i tell you what you you need to you need to get serious about digging in there and really learning and studying and of course that's involves a lot more than just coming once a week to a bible study but uh there's a lot of people that are actually even though they've gone to church all their life they really don't know the bible well enough to be able to withstand a really uh, intensive onslaught from Satan. That's a good point, Richard. And it really gets us into the next a couple of verses of Genesis 3, where we see Eve's response to the serpent. But what she's done is she, we don't know if it was intentional, intentional or not, but she really didn't fully understand or restate God's word. Uh, in verse 2, it says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the tree of the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Mm -hmm. She added to that <laughs> command. Yeah. Well, you know, and of course, a definitions of a cult is either that you took away from scripture or you added to scripture. Either, either way, you add to God's word, you are creating a cult of a false religion just as much as if you take something away so sometimes but and i'll tell you what i think a lot of our listeners here can think of perhaps even growing up things that they were told not to do and they, they were told as if it was in the bible somewhere <laughs> you know you should never dance or something now i i could you know you could take some principles and apply it but but sometimes people said you, you're not supposed to do this or this or this and you almost thought there had to be a scripture reference where it said thou shalt not and God is not necessarily as restrictive as that. But the, what I've always wondered about this, though, is that, of course, Eve, when God does tell Adam, Eve's not there yet. And so I don't think I don't think Eve was created yet when Adam is first in paradise and given the instructions. So that means that Adam is the one that probably told Eve what the rules were. And I don't know if Adam did that. Is Adam the one that thought, well, I'm going to protect Eve and I'm going to tell her, just don't even touch it. Um you know, that maybe he's the one that added that or else she just on her own picked it up. But either way, she's already, again, maligning God's character in a sense, um, because she's already making God even stricter than he actually was. And 
And I see that often when people are trying to sort of portray God. Uh, we actually, sometimes as Christians, the way we present God to people, we actually make him more legalistic and real conscious even than he is. And I think it's a danger to ever misrepresent God or his word to anyone else. You make this statement in the personal study guide that God had extended the maximum freedom possible, yet Eve's statement lessened God's generosity. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it's, why would you do that? I mean, but of course that, that is usually once you start a misunderstanding the character of God, it doesn't take long before all kinds of things start falling apart. Our, our whole relationship with God is based on his character. Well, as we're looking at this idea of trying to discern the voice I'm hearing is from God or not, we're looking at this idea that for one thing, that voice, if it's from God, it will not question God's word and it will not alter God's word. But let's also add this to it, that that voice will not contradict God's word. Here's Genesis 3, verses 4 through 6. This is Satan speaking again. No, you certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he Mm. ate it. Devastating words, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, of course, the most foolish thing people ever did was trying to falsely gain wisdom. Satan said, eat it, you'll be wise. And they made the worst possible mistake, foolish mistake that you could possibly make, which is sort of ironic, isn't it? And, you know, I've also thought, again, you know, it's interesting. If I were God and I, I there was one tree that could could bring death to my creatures, I would have probably made the tree as ugly as possible. <laughs> I would have made the fruits... St- I would have made this, the fruit stink if you got near it. Uh, but, of course, God values our free will, and falsehood often looks very attractive, and it looks so enticing and so attractive that um, that we can often be tempted to go ahead and do what we know we shouldn't do. And um, and that's that's the thing about falsehood. It's, it's, it's fashioned in a way that's attractive. It appeals to our flesh. Um, otherwise we wouldn't care. We, why, why sin if it was didn't appear at least to be, uh, very enticing. And, and so, you know, this fruit, it looked, it says it looked good. It, you know, ev- everything about it aesthetically was very attractive. Um, and that's often the way that death, uh, kind of disguises itself in very attractive features. But, uh, just as surely as God said, you will die. Um, they did, and so did all have all their descendants ever since. It was it was actually far more devastating than even what God had said. Richard, you raised an interesting point there that I think would be valuable in our groups for us to, to discuss and talk about, and that is this idea of that why is it we are so prone to fall for Satan's traps? And you have brought out some of those good principles. I mean, he makes it enticing. But I think that's something we all need to discuss in, in our groups and kind of process it to realize just because it looks good doesn't mean it is. Right. And, you know, the, the truth is Eve and Adam both knew what God had said. But um, and, you know, I've I've been in church all my life and I've seen lots of people that sinned, you know, I, how, how many even Christian leaders that committed adultery? And I don't know of one pastor who ever committed adultery who didn't know it was wrong. 
but uh, but they justified it. And what if you want to sin, then you you will willingly believe a lie. And and so, you know, you can say, well, were they deceived or did they looking at that beautiful fruit, they decided they wanted to believe that. You know, we don't we don't know what was going on in Eve's head, but I but I just know how it works in this life. And and oftentimes we we are if our heart is not wholly uh, devoted to obeying God and pleasing him, then we'll accept any lie that's convenient for us. And I, I've known so many people, they knew their Bible well enough to know what they were doing really was not pleasing to God. But uh, but once you don't guard your heart, then you're very vulnerable to believing any lie that will let you do what you want to do anyway. And in those lies that Satan tells us, as you point out in, in the writing you've done, Satan is going to minimize what those consequences of sin are. Uh, you know, we, we know it, we even when we step into it knowing it's wrong, there is a sense that oftentimes we downplay those consequences. Well, of course we do. It's because otherwise we'd be fools to sin. I mean, sin is suicide. It's self-destruction. And what Only a fool would do that. And so you have to convince yourself that's not really what's going to happen, even though it is. You point out in the personal study guide content, Richard, you pointed out also that as Satan will minimize those consequences of sin, he's also going to insinuate that there's something really good if you do this. Maybe God's withholding good from us. Uh, we certainly see that in this account with Adam and Eve and, and the serpent. And there's even that idea that the Satan's going to tempt us with wisdom and a promise of making us something better. In this case, of becoming like God. Isn't that amazing? Like you're you made God made you out of dust, <laughs> and you think because you eat a, a dust eats a piece of fruit, and now he's going to be just like the person who created the fruit in the universe. <laughs> Like talk about just believing something hook, line, and sinker as the most absurd thing, the most irrational thing possible. And yet that is the ultimate temptation in humanity is to become your own God. And it's not necessarily because you think you can create a universe, but that means you're the boss of your life. And that's really what sin is. It's saying, I just don't want anyone telling me to do anything I don't want to do. And and so, yeah, Eve didn't think she's going to go out and be able to create her own paradise because she'd be just like God, I don't think. But it, it did mean that now I can just do what I want and no one, even God, can't tell me what to do. And and there is that that is the essence of sin is I want to be in charge of my life. And um, and so that you it, it, but it's just as foolish as Adam and Eve thinking they could be a God as well. We we can't run our life apart from God's guidance and and the Holy Spirit giving us life itself what happened uh in the story that we're reading is right at the beginning of the story of scripture but it is just as relevant today as it was when it was written and and always is so some of the questions that we ask uh are excellent conversation starters when have you heard somebody misinterpret god's word or alter it uh, what are some current this is i thought outstanding what are some current examples in our culture uh, that contradicts God's word and they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would ask, why is it that, that seemingly smart people are so susceptible to lies? You, you'd think that smart people could see through falsehood like that, but, but the reason that people keep lying and, you know, whether it's in politics or in culture or whatever it might be, it's because people keep believing them. And it's most of the time it's because we want to believe them our hearts are open to being deceived because 
it, it's attractive to us. Sin always packages itself up to be attractive. So I'm always curious why intelligent people could just bring self-destruction upon themselves because they chose to believe a lie. What What is it about us? And I tell you what, in our small groups, we need to be helping each other know how to defend ourselves against that because we will face destruction as will our marriages, our families, our churches, just as quickly as Adam and Eve experienced it, if we'll believe lies as well. One of the phrases that we commonly hear in our culture right now is fake news. And you, we just wonder, why in the world do people fall for fake news? The reality is people embrace fake news that tends to lean to that that feeds toward what they believe or what they want to believe. And I, I don't see they what they do is they don't step in to verify, is this true or not? Because, well, it, li- it aligns with, well, I think that sounds right. And it's what they want to believe. So now that's in the political spectrum. We can talk about fake news. But I think the principle comes to all of our life, every aspect of life. That God's word is because it, it caters to what I I want to believe or what I want to think or my feelings about this particular sinful habit I have, we embrace it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really popular, there's some really uh, uh, compelling writing going on here in the last couple of years that, that, that demonstrates that even the most intelligent uh, people are driven far more by their feelings than by the facts. And, there's a lot of compelling evidence to say, even when you think we're being rational, most of the time we're following our feelings and then we just use facts and reason to justify what our feelings told us to do. And, you know, in most small groups, that'd be a great question. Are you, you know, are you really driven by just reason reason and, and rationality or are your, are your feelings still in the driver's seat? And then you just kind of look for a Bible verse to justify what your feelings led you to do and and i think that's exactly i think that's the fake news stuff i think rarely is your mind just changed by news if you're looking for news that that falls in line with what your feelings are telling you and that's why the bible tells us to guard our hearts because once our hearts go off kilter we just start we can you can always find facts you can even find bible verses that will justify sinful feelings and attitudes and so it always goes back to the heart one of the questions that we ask is how are people tempted to change the meaning of God's word to align with their preferences? And that's exactly what you're describing. It is. And it's amazing because you can have two people use the same verse and justify the opposite behavior, but it's just, you know, you and, and sincere Christians on can justify the exact opposite things. You just, if you, you don't have to look that far to find some verse, you can distort and take out a context and then justify your feelings and and so you know also i think that's why it, it's it's usually not very productive just you can't shout or even argue people necessarily to the truth you've got to speak to their heart when when their heart is set free when their heart when when god does a fresh work in their heart now their eyes are open and they're not that they didn't really realize what might be true anyway but now their heart's ready to embrace the truth even if it means they can't do what their sinful heart was telling them to before 
if you're listening to this podcast and you've been a part of Bible Studies for Life family for a while, you'll know that uh, you'll remember that a, a couple months ago we did a study called How to Build Your Life on God's Word. And I think that is just such a critical thing for all believers that we read God's Word, we study God's Word, and when we've read it through, we start over and we just keep our noses in God's Word because, as we said, it's easy to grab a verse to make it say what I, to fall in line with what I want to believe. But that's why we've got to know the whole counsel of scripture. And I, I've heard people actually say, you know, well, I just don't believe that. I used to believe that. I don't believe that anymore. And a lot of times it's because now it's not convenient to believe that anymore. It, it used to be I believed it, but it didn't affect how I live. But now it's going to restrict me from a sinful behavior I'd like to do. So I, I don't believe that anymore. And uh, you're right. I think even because you you perhaps knew or you thought you knew God's word before, you, it's got to be fresh. It's got to keep on. You just keep cultivating that uh, that fallow ground in your heart. Keep keep your heart tender and open to a word from God, and then it'll be easy to understand and easy to follow. Right. And that's part of that lifelong journey. So as we're looking at ways, how I, I want to make sure that the voice I'm hearing or the direction I'm sensing is from God and not from some other voice. Let's remember this, that that voice you're hearing, if it's from God, if it's a godly, uh, something drawing you in a godly way, it will never contradict God's word, period. Never. No, God's word never goes out of date. It's just as relevant and true today as it has ever been. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you who are listening to this podcast. We hope it's been beneficial to you and we pray God's blessings upon you as you're involved in groups this week. 